Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. Happy birthday. And you don't look 150. Anybody feel like you're 150? Come on, let me get a witness here. You know, there's so many stories, there's too many that we can tell. But the question that I want to ask you is, what does it mean when you drive up on this campus? What, what, what does it mean to you? What do these buildings mean to you? Because that's how the, some of us meet this church first. We just see buildings. And so it's like a question that Joshua posed when they crossed the Jordan River into the Promised Land. In fact, he gave them specific instructions to do something. And I think the reason he did is because the Lord wanted us to do two things. Remember and retell the story. You realize we're a part of the story of First Baptist Orlando. You say, well, this is the only time I've ever been here. Well, you're a part of the story today. Welcome. Glad you are here. We are a part of a story that we must remember and retell to the generations to come. So let's go to that place in the Bible. It's in Joshua chapter 4. If you've got a Bible or if you've got your device, you can open it, turn it on, and get it to Joshua chapter 4. So this happens when they have come out of Egypt. The children of Israel have been led by Moses. Well, now Moses is dead. He's gone. And they are ready to go into the land they call, they call the promised land. Okay, so they are at the river, and before they cross, there were some instructions for them. And the reason he gave those instructions is because he did, God did not want them to forget how they got there. And I think it's a great reminder for us today. And he wanted them to be able to tell the story. So as we read it, I'm going to read from chapter 4. I'm going to jump down, if you would allow me, down to verse 19. Let me just basically set it up for you. They were to take rocks out of the river stones out of the river. When they got up on the other side, they would be near Jericho, a place called Gilgal. They would be on the western side of the Jordan River. They were to place those stones, and they would serve as a memorial, a place to remember, so that when kids pass by and say, hey, what is that? The dad can say, oh, let me tell you what that means. And they would tell them the story of the day they crossed when God parted the water and left it dry so they could go across. In fact, Moses even put some of these in the river. So can you imagine? There were 12 of them, 12 tribes, each one of those tribes picking up one of these stones and carrying them. Do you think I can pick up one of these stones? You know, I've been through a lot, but I've really been working out a lot. Let me see if I can. Oh, wow, that's great. I'm, I'm doing so much better. They weren't that light for them, I promise you. It was an ordeal to carry the stones. And I think they were big. I mean, I think these are really, really close to what they look like. So why would you go to all that trouble? Here's why. He tells them. 
And it's very important. I'm reading verse 19. The people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month. And they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones which they took up out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, just like he did the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So these stones tell a story. This building tells the story. What is it? These stones point back. They point back. They also point up. And then there's one more. We'll get to that in a minute. They point back. Why? So whenever somebody saw them, it was a chance to tell them, hey, let me tell you what God did here. This building gives us great opportunity to tell what God has done here. Now, I don't know if we can make the parallel, this building, like these stones, set up in the same way. But let's do, let's do it just for the purpose of discussing why we're here, how we got here. Do you want to guess how many people drive by these buildings? And then what do they think when they see them? I think I can answer the second question. They can think, that's a big place. How many of you, the first time you came to First Baptist Orlando, this campus, you said, that is a big place? Let me see your hand. There you go. All right, now put it down. How many of you almost didn't come because it was a big place? There you go. I got a message for you. You ever go Millennium Mall? You ever go to Amway to a concert? I mean, people tell me all the time, well, I'd come there, but it's just so big. Hmm. You don't ever go to Amway? You don't ever go to Millennium? Walmart? I mean, come on. But that's the first thing they think, right? It's, it's big. But see, what I think is we got we to gotta give them a reason to think different. We got to give them something to talk about, not the country song. But we got to give them something to talk about. These buildings talk. You want to know how many drive by these buildings every day? I'm not counting I-4. This did not... That was not included in the count. The Florida Department of Transportation gave us these numbers. Are you ready for this? We're talking about Bruton Street, L.B. McLeod, and John Young. In a given week, 429,000 people drive by here. 429,000. And the day I'm running late to a meeting, they all show up. And I'm trying to get in here, and I can't because of the traffic. You know what that's like. So think about this. Man, we got to tell them what this means. And we got to tell the next generation. You realize, I mean, we're in the middle of here, there, and everywhere, which is an incredible, ambitious dream of giving to the next generation these beautiful stories of the faith that will change their life. So for every kid that walked up to that river and said, Dad, what does this mean? What an opportunity to tell them, because if we don't tell them, 
they're not going to know. I'll prove it to you. How many of you know the old sayings? Let me give you one of them. Finish this. Better safe than when a first grade class was asked, finish this. Better safe than, sorry, they said, better safe than punch a fifth grader. <laughs> All right, how about another one? Strike while the simple, they said, strike while the bug is close. It's always darkest before. <laughs> a few of you got that. I'm not sure the whole room got that one. They said it's always darkest before daylight savings time. <laughs> you can't teach an old dog new. No, math is what they said. <laughs> Where there's smoke, <laughs> they said there's pollution. <laughs> Kids of our day. A penny saved is, no, not much, according to first graders. <laughs> Two's company, threes, no, musketeers. <laughs> Laugh and the whole world laughs with you. Cry. No, you have to blow your nose. What I'm telling you is that they need to know what these stones mean. And if we don't tell them the gospel, if we don't share the story, who will? And so there's a sense in which he had them do that because he wanted to point back to what God did. And there's something else. These stones point up. They point up to who did it. God did it. I mean, there's no doubt the end of that was we want everyone to know our God. We want him to, them to know that he is powerful. And let me just tell you today, this church has had great people, great preachers, great folks that have influenced and made decisions. But I'm going to give you one reason we are still here 150 years later. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's God and the power of God, the sustaining power of God. So no matter how we say it, that's how we're still here. And so watch this. That's what makes these buildings special. Without God, they're just big buildings. I mean, it's just a big old building without him. We're just another club in town. We're another social club. We're, we're another private club that you got to get a membership to participate. That's not who we are. God is in this place. This is holy ground. Why? Because God is here. Now, he's out there just as much as he is here. But can I be real honest? When Rachel and I drove up with our kids the first time, these buildings didn't mean anything to us. They didn't. Now, 16 years later, they mean everything to us. You know why? Because we met you. I now know that a lot of us get confused at this point. God is a lot more interested not in buildings that are called a church, but a people who are called the church. That's where the power of this place is. It's not in this building. It's in God in us. And it's the people that make this just have this beautiful story. Peter wrote in 1 Peter, we are living stones. So you're the stones. You're, you're the stones that tell the story. You're the stones that are part of this journey. And man, there have been some great, great people here. All of us kind of stand on their shoulders or sit on their shoulders. I mean, we are all following people 
that God lived in them and through them and did incredible things. For me, one of those that I will always treasure and cherish and thank God for him is the man who came to my heart and mind when he said, I really believe you ought to be the next pastor. This man served this church for 29 years. He's the one that had the vision to come out here to this property when it was a swamp. He is the one who led so faithfully and he helped Rachel and me to fully understand God's plan. He is our own brother Jim Henry. And you welcome him as he comes up on the platform. Jim, it is so good to see you. It's good to be seen. How, how was it back in 1871 when this started? Tell us about that. You got a story well, for the us? The first or person to meet me were you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, Jim, man, how do we say thank you for your faithfulness and, and all that you did? I, I just had some questions that I wanted you to share because I just think the, the, the living stones that are telling the story. You are such a big part of that story, and you are one of those living stones. And so for me, I, I just want to know some things. Like, one, when you came to Orlando, what was your vision? What, what were you thinking? Well, Pastor, first of all, let me say thank you for the invitation to be here today. Absolutely. I'm so honored to be back at Home Church and at this pulpit place. Thank you. And when you read that scripture, we used that scripture when we moved out here. Our theme was crossing yep, over. Crossing over. That was our theme to come out here. And my tribute that was sung, mm -hmm. Andre Crouch, who wrote that, yeah. we had him at downtown church, got a piano, and oh, he came great. and played and sang that. So that's amazing. He brought back so many memories. Yes. So just a flashback there. Um, when I came here, I, to be honest, I didn't have a vision. I just know God sent me. Mm. And so we prayed about it. It felt like the Lord sent us here. Yep. And I didn't know why, because we're having a happy time in Nashville. But the Holy Spirit, through a supernatural ways, He spoke to us and said, this is where I want you. So that's why wow. we came. No vision, except you're supposed to be here. That's great, man. When God says it, you do it, right? Yep, that's it. That's a way to live. So when you came here, I want to know some of the challenges, other than your son-in-law, Danny DeArmas. Yeah, that, what, what, what were some of the major challenges that you faced? Uh, there were several. Uh, first of all, uh, we were concerned about staff. Mm -hmm. We didn't have a full staff, and so I had the privilege of helping bring some folks alongside that had the same vision of what God's going to do. We didn't know, but wanted to get in on it. Had some good staff still here. That was one thing, putting together a team. Second was unity. Uh, at the time, we had two services, one just for the young people only, mm -hmm. and then one for the older crowd. And so I said, let's, let's get together for a while yeah. so everybody can kind of say we're a big family. So we, we did that, and that worked well. And then the third thing was uh, we were concerned about uh, space because we were downtown, and we only owned 50 parking places that mm -hmm. we owned. Everything else was dependent upon banks, the city. So we began to look at what are we going to do. Yeah. Uh, to, so we tried to stay downtown first. But that was a challenge. Stay downtown or do something else. So God left us upon a dream team. 
uh, some great men and women, some of them are here today, said, what are we going to do in the future? And they ended up saying, let's, let's go by at least 100 acres. We'd start out with 22 up at the Maitland exit. Mm. And we voted on that. Long story short, the church voted to do it, but it's a close vote. I said, no, we don't need to do that. Thank you for not going up there. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so we ended up looking again, and so we ended up with this 150 acres. When we voted on that, I'll never forget this, Pastor. We voted on it, and I prayed, because there was a lot of concern about leaving this historic place, which we all mm. loved, and going somewhere else, which was strange, because this is basically a swamp out here. And I said, Lord, if there's 66%, I feel like we should move. If it's less than 66%, I don't think we should go because I, I didn't think we have enough critical mass yeah. to make that big yeah. a move. So we prayed about yeah. it and people voted. It was a secret ballot and the final count was 66%. Really? So we were then 1% of not yeah. being out here. And so, and then when we came out here, we got this 150 acres supernaturally by somebody that Lord sent to this church and said there's some acreage out here. Uh, there was 10 acres where we're seated right here that belonged to the Ford Foundation. Mm. So we approached and we didn't want to have 10 acres in the middle of 100, yeah. you know, yeah. right in the middle of everything. We didn't know what may go in there. So they wouldn't, they wouldn't give us the time of day. They would, we, we had our senator get in touch with them, our representative. We wrote letters, nothing. So we said, I guess we're going to have to build around it. And what happened was, uh, somebody that was new to our church heard about it and said, I think I got the answer. I know, I know the guy that used to be president of the Ford Foundation. Oh, wow. Called him up. Long story short, Ford Foundation got in touch with us. We'll sell you the 10 acres. And so right where we're seated was the 10 acres that God opened the door. That's great, man. Friday. Give God That's praise. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> oh, that's great. Jim, you... Yeah. You've had some moments here, there's, there's no doubt, and you're serving so faithfully for those years. i got to just interrupt you for a moment. I, one of the defining moments for me was, um, if I can say it, that service where I had the honor of washing your feet right here. Yeah. And you know, the Lord put that in my heart, and I came to you and, and asked you, if I could do that, and you were so gracious, you said yes. I, that, that did something to me. I, I, I mean, I still remember like if we did it yesterday. Yeah. And I just want to thank you for allowing that defining moment in my life. It was very special, and I'll never forget it. But tell, tell me, I don't want to talk about that moment. I want to talk about some, uh, give me a moment or two that happened when you were here. Well, that was a defining moment for me too, Pastor. I've, I have people still today saying, Watch that service. I was there. I'll never mm. forget it. It was special. And what even made it special, the Lord put on my heart to wash your feet. Mm. And you beat me to it. Yeah. And so I <laughs> didn't great. get to. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so, yeah. so that was very humbling for me to have that experience. There's been so many, Pastor. Uh, two or three I can real quickly share. One was uh, the start of the Center for Pregnancy. Mm -hmm. uh, I preached about being pro-life, and our church is very strong in that. And uh, one of the members called me up and said, Pastor, I really think that's great. What are you going to do about it? I said, well, we're going to pray about it and preach. He said, no, no, you've got to do something about it. I know that guy. His name yeah. is Rick Fletcher. Yeah. Uh, so Rick said, I'll meet you for lunch. We had lunch together. And he said, I'll tell you what, 
if the church will take that as a ministry, I'll pay all the expenses for the first year. Whatever it costs to set us up, I'll do it. So I prayed about it and came back to church. We shared it, and the church said yes. And Rick and Susan Fletcher put the dollars down there, paid all the expenses for the first year, and since then, the church has taken it under as a ministry, and the rest is history. Yeah. Thousands That's of right. babies have been saved. That's right. And lives have Amen. been touched. Amen. Because- hey, uh, Rick. Rick, Suzanne, y'all stand up. Come on, we got to give thanks to you for what you did. Just stand up. I know you don't want to. Go ahead and stand up. God bless you. So, so that was uh, one of those moments. Another was a pastor when, we, when the first academy started, we came to, through the eighth grade, and they said, should we go on? And prayed about it. We didn't know because we know it's going to be more expensive. And the Lord said, yes. And the church got behind it. And the first academy went on 9 to 12. And now it's one of the best schools in the country. That was another one of those defining moments mm. uh, in the life of our church. Yeah. And, uh, and then, Pastor, uh, I, I, I think another <laughs> thing was we, the first thing we did when we first started, we had a prayer conference for three days. Peter Lord uh, mm. led it. And I think that laid the foundation yeah. for this church, a place of prayer and ministry of the Word. And those three days early on in my ministry here, I think kind of set the tone yeah. for what happened later. So when you think about those moments, uh, they've become historic moments. You don't think about it at the time as being so special. And, and then one other, we, we had a lady named Jerry Leonard who was evangelism mm-hmm. teacher. She was part-time here. So we put her on full-time in evangelism, sharing the gospel. And literally thousands of people came to faith in Christ through the ministry of this church and continues to. And I think that was another foundation piece. We're going to share the gospel with people. Man, that's so good. I remember, Jim, in 2000, the year 2000, I came with my wife to a, I think the convention was here, a meeting was here. And I always wanted to come to this church. But I'd never been here. But I knew about you because I'd heard you and, and, and admired you. But I told Rachel, let's, let's, go, let's go to church there. And we came in, and we sat right over there. And uh, just kind of halfway up that ramp and watched. And you were down here. And let me tell you the thing that, that this, it struck me. Because some of you, I, one of my loves is music, and I love me. I can't, I can't sing, and I can't play anything, but I love music. <laughs> I do, because I think it's such a powerful way of worshiping. Not the only way, but it's a powerful way. And so I've always just, man, loved to be in the middle of that worship moment in a service. Well, I'm up there, and I'm watching this guy, because I'm like, you know, when I grow up, I want to be like him. <laughs> and, and I looked down, and it was in the middle of one of the songs, and there's Jim standing with his hands raised. Now, this was in 2000 when you were accused of being a charismatic and they'd throw you out of the churches we were in if you raised your hands. I mean, you remember that. Yes, I did. I remember seeing you lifting your hands in worship, and I said to myself, I know why God's blessed that man. That man is passionate about you. And God will honor those who honor him. He says it in his word. And I just want to thank you for that little glimpse that I got. Now, that was 2000. I had no idea. I would ever be here as pastor. I just thought it was cool I got to come visit every now and then. But now things have changed. So I got got another question. A lot of us know you well. 
But there's some, and there's some on the stream that may not uh, be aware of your story. So what would you tell all of us, but especially those that don't know you, what impact did this church have on you? And then what impact did this church have on Orlando? This church helped frame my life. Uh, when I came here, I needed a lot of growing up to do spiritually. And the Lord knew that. And uh, I didn't realize how many great people were in this church already. And they're wise people, generous people, loving people, compassionate Amen. people. People with big hearts, people who are ready to try new things. And so God knew I needed that. So rather than me leading them in a sense, the great people of this church Amen. helped frame my own journey of faith. So I'd say that, that was it. Wow. The people here are some of the greatest Christians. And I've met a lot of people through the years, but I've told this often, some of the greatest Christians I've ever met Remember, some of them in heaven now. Yeah. Some still here yeah. are in this church. Amen. So that helped, I think, fashion what the church was going to be and looking ahead like you're, you're leading our church to do to the future. Here's who we are. We're going to make a difference here, mission-wise, preaching the Bible, yeah. reaching people, being open. To, we love you. Our church loves you. Welcome here. Uh, and... We, we, we wanted the church to be a cathedral church. Yeah. Cathedral means for all. Yeah. So in a sense, this has become a cathedral church for the it city has. of Orlando and the central yep. Florida. Yep. Because when people's hearts are breaking, when there's tragedy or whatever. I remember uh, when 9-11, we had a service here. The mm -hmm. mayor came, all kind of people. Church was packed out, thousands of people, about six or 7,000 people here because they gathered here. People came mm -hmm. from every. People have never been in this church, but we were all hurting. And this cathedral church, this yeah. church that cares, was the place to come to. Yeah. And it continues to be, I think, a central focus point for people to come where they are loved, where the Bible is taught, we care, and we have compassion on people, very generous people. So I, I like to say, Pastor, it's, it's like the story you've read about, probably history. I never saw it, but in days gone by, when our church was getting started, they used to have lamps in the old mm -hmm. cities. And people would come. They had a man they called a lamplighter. Yeah. And at dusk, he would go down the street, and he would light the little the oil there so mm -hmm. the, the, the lamp post would give light to the We call them street lights today. And so he lighted them down the street, one, another, mm -hmm. another, another. And you could see for a long way those lights were being lit by the lamplighter. Somebody asked him, what's, what's your job, sir? And he said, punching holes in the darkness. And I think that's what First Baptist Amen. Orlando does. Yes. We punch in the holes in the darkness yep. of hurt, pain, grief, sin, mm -hmm. everything where people are broken. We are a church punching holes in the darkness with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's who we are. Amen. Amen. Well said. So, I think of it this way, Jim. You might remember the story. Winston Churchill addressed the nation. And he was talking to them because they had gone through incredible tough times. He said, it's the nation that has the heart of the lion. I just have the privilege of giving the roar. 
You and I have had that privilege of giving the roar, but the heart of the lion is right here. That's it. God's people doing amazing things. And I want to thank you, as Jim has thanked you. We together want to say thank you for being a church that a pastor loves and loves to stay at. We are the only two living pastors this church has. I mean, that's kind of rare. The only two left. And last summer, I thought maybe there was only going to be one left. And, <laughs> but Pastor, we are blessed. Just think about it. I have lived over half the life of this church. I'm 84. Church is 150. I've been alive over half the life of this church. Can you believe that? I, I can't. I can't. <laughs> well, that's amazing. So I got to say this, Jim, before you leave. I, we served together for one year. And, and it was a kind of a co-pastor thing, call it whatever you want, but yeah. we were serving together. <laughs> As that year got near the, the end and we were planning this big special day to kind of make the transition and, yeah. and all, my wife looked at me and she said, are you sure Jim can't stay longer? <laughs> and I said, well, what do you mean by that? She said, it's, you're different. Talking to me. It's like you don't have all the pressure on you. And it's like, you know, you're, and I, I will never forget that because Jim did that for me. Let me tell you what he did on my last day, his last day, excuse me. I walked in my office and he was, I knew he was gone. It was Monday. We'd already had that service on that Sunday. And I walked in and I saw a piece of paper on my desk and I recognized his stationery and I thought, oh, Jim left me a note. I thought it was going to be a to-do list like Rachel gives me, you know, here, you need to take care of these things. I have that note. It just simply says, the best is yet. I will never lose this note. I will cherish it. Because you know what? He's right. Amen. The best is yet, and it's still coming. Jim, thank you for what you did to get us to this place. Thank you, thank you man. Thank we you, love Pastor. you, brother. Love Let you. me get around there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So think about it. These stones, this building, and all these buildings, they point back. People like that. Moments like Jim described. And they point up to say, don't you ever take credit for this. It's not the people that did it. It's the God of the people who has done this. And we should never touch that glory. Never. It's the Lord who's done this. But they also point another direction. They point forward. Because the text says the children were going to see them and say, what do these stones mean? So in other words, God said, Believe me, the generations coming after you, they need to know this. Let me give you a great quote by a guy named William Faulkner. I don't know if you ever read him, but listen to this quote. Life is not about making monuments, but instead making footprints. A monument only says, at least we got this far. Footprints say, this is where I was when I moved again. It's time to move again. It's time to go after the vision that got us to this place.
And so you and I, we, we, this is our time to move. We're not finished. He's not finished. These stones point us forward. And, and by the way, when you see them and when they saw them by the riverbank, don't you know it gave them encouragement and hope to know that, hey, if God did it then, he can do it now. Somebody sent me a song this week. The title was God, uh, Just as Good. And I started listening to that song. And it just simply says, God, you're just as good as the day I met you. And I began to think this way, God, you're just as good as when you were in 1871 and you gave life to this congregation. You're just as good as you were 100 years ago. You're just as good as you were when I was nine years old and I put my faith in you. He's just as good. And he's not through. So my question is, what are they going to say about us? What are our children going to grow up with? We're doing everything we can here, there, and everywhere to invest in their life. What will they say of us? What will the generation after them say of us? We get to make that decision today to answer that question. Because you see, what we do today determines what they will say tomorrow. Yesterday's commitment's not enough for today. And today's is not enough for tomorrow. So we have a decision. Are we going to continue this story that God has given us and we are definitely a part of it? Are we going to continue? Are we going to stop? And just say, I'll just ride it on out. No. We're not going to ride it on out. We're going to move again. We're going to say, God, let's go. Their plans, their dreams, I want them to say of us, they gave, they served, they sacrificed so we could know Jesus and find our part in God's story. And I want you to join me in saying that. Because we owe it to those in the past who've run before us. We owe it to Him who has blessed everything and done everything that's here. And we owe it to the generations coming after us. So let's take the step. Let's move again and be a people of faith. I pray these buildings will speak volumes because you and I have chosen to speak. And the way we can do that in this next year is we're going to take the journey together. And so Danny's going to give us a little direction. How can we say it together? How can we take these steps together? Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.